You're listening to And what's poppin' everybody? Welcome to the Good Pop Culture Club. It is our final episode of the year. Thank you for joining us. My name is Marvin Yuck. And joining me to talk about all the good pop that gets us through, I guess, the year, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian-American Jess Yu. Hello, everybody. I hope everyone gets to take time off and be a professional nothing in the next two weeks. <laughs> also joining us, professional culture editor Han Wynn. Hey. <laughs> That's the voice of a woman defeated. Like Han mentioned before, she is in the throes of end of year best of list, the best time Herbs. of the year for the journalistic profession. Yeah, it's like not only look forward to and getting content out for the rest of the year and getting it out ahead of time so you can have a vacation of some sort, but also look back at the whole year. So it's like remember everything and uh, and then evaluate it. So, yeah, I, I, I just wrote one blurb today. I have several more. I have to also write some intros for stuff. Um, I, ha- I just did an interview that took way too long. <laughs> that's going to take a while to go through and write up uh, all this, all of this, uh, plus pre-editing about like 20 stories all has to happen this weekend so I can date next week off. Okay, can I tell you something that I hope will bring you a little joy and <laughs> laughter in your life? Yes. As we speak about end of year lists, you know, everyone got their Spotify rap list. Yeah. And one of the things that Spotify counts is like, what podcast? Your top five podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, my boyfriend confessed to me that this podcast is not his number one podcast. What? Like, how rude is that? What like, should was I his dump number him? one? What? It was nothing terrible. It was not like Joe Rogan. It was just like some like, video game thing he listened to and then i think like wait wait don't tell me which i was like i got defeated by peter gross havana knights writer peter gross <laughs> oh well how can you that's true i do him. love dirty dancing to havana mm-hmm. knights but still like that hurt that I feel like, like really hurt anyone should be begrudgingly listening to this podcast it should be our significant others right? you tell him well does christine listen to oh hell no this podcast <laughs> she's like i listen to you talking she, enough. i don't no, need she, to do this in my free time she loves the um the true crime podcast that's her thing <laughs> so we, we need, need to, to cover this more? over into a true crime podcast we should who stole my parking spot I'm pulling up our good pop culture club rap to see how many people actually listen to us. Yeah. Let's get some stats here. Let's see. Do, no, only if they're good. Don't tell them. How embarrassing. Don't share the bad ones. Yeah, let's not share the lows. We can share the highs. <laughs> we got our first streams in four new countries. Japan, the Philippines, Whoa. Thailand, and India. So what? we got the Asia wow. region down on lock. We're international. Let's wow. See. Twist. See. It was actually one person who just travels a lot for work. Hey, mm-hmm. we and... have four fans who listen to our podcast more than any other podcast. And we know for sure none that of them are significant. My others. boyfriend. No, that is not Raymond. <laughs> or my girlfriend. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you. You are now our new booze, those four people. We're in a polycule now. Okay. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, none of my family even knows I do a podcast. So, <laughs> so it's definitely not them. I mean, we're, we're a small, humble podcast, but we've seen some growth. Um, we've actually gotten a lot of people tuning in, I think, starting from our Squid Game episode. So for those of you who have tuned in over the last year, thank you for listening to our silly little podcast. Um, I guess we should say this once in a while, but if you do enjoy 
our hot takes and rambling about pop culture, um, give us a nice rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, we have one review right now, which is kind of lukewarm. So if we can get some more positive <laughs> reviews, that would be great. Okay, I'll, I'll text all my friends, you know, put some ringers in. I, I would also say, like, yes, do all that because the ratings uh, and reviews help. But I think also if you actually want to comment and, you know, like reply to our Twitter or any of those other <laughs> feeds with your disagreements, I am totally down for that because, like, this is also criticism and it's purely subjective. And <laughs> I, I, I truly do believe that good conversation and disagreements, you know, is healthy. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I feel like we're pretty fair to Cowboy Bebop, but if you feel like it's our fault that show got canceled, please come at me. <laughs> let, all I have to t- say is Netflix doesn't give a fuck about what I yeah, think. Yeah, we do not have that much power. <laughs> if, if they did, they would not have given me access to certain things after I was negative about one thing. So <laughs> that's just how it is. Well... I'm glad that you're surviving Listicle season, Han, because we are doing the podcast version of Listicle for this episode. Um, Like I mentioned, it is the last episode of the Good Pop Culture Club for 2021 because professional Asian American Jess Jew is leaving on vacation starting this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to somewhere very exotic. I'm going to Austria, you know, Mm. get in that, get in that like white christmas i mean that both like temperature wise <laughs> and like ethnically mm-hmm. very excited to experience that i don't think i've ever had a snow i mean i guess i went to like mammoth or like like mm-hmm. you know up in the mountains as a kid but it's been a while so though it's been very cold in la and i feel like you know 50 they say 55 in la is colder than anywhere else and i feel that is accurate <laughs> You know, the sound you just heard just is everyone living in the northern states and um, the east coast rolling their eyes on us. Okay, but they're ready. Okay, they're ready (laughs) for it. And I feel like, you know, like 55 is too dumb to like break out any heavy coats, even if you have them. But then it's like too cold for a light jacket. It's actually been pretty like I've been wearing my coat out, you know, over a T-shirt, of course. I also refuse to let my parents turn on the heater because, you know, the first the first burn of the season where all that dust mm-hmm. oh we did that a week ago so. like shit and like you know i don't want to aggravate my allergies right now like <laughs> right before because it's like a slippery slope to like get in a bunch of other things wrong so i was like no you could turn it on after i leave <laughs> well i mean also let's not forget that it also rained today a very rare occurrence um i can't remember the last time it rained actually in la yeah this is riveting weather conversation of California it's, weather conference. We're only going to talk about two things. We're Californians, okay? LA people. We're going to talk about freeway traffic and the weather when it rains. Like, yeah. That's it. And right now, we're not driving anywhere. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that's enough weather talk for this episode. Um, like I mentioned, it is the end of the year. So, it's time for us to determine our best ofs for the year 2021. We're going to go through um, four categories film, TV, books, and miscellaneous. We're each going to share what we thought was the best pop for each category. Um, kind of a fun little exercise for us um, to do before we, we say goodbye until 2022. Um, so I guess without further ado, should we get started? Yeah, let's go. All oh, right. yeah, because we got a lot of ties here. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess let's start with our first category, which is TV. Han, what, what was your best TV pop of 2021? Okay, I had too many, but I did finally land on one that I think kind of rose above the others in my estimation, both 
for enjoyability, but also for just how good it was. I think that it was well done, well acted, well written, etc. Um, and that is, uh, we've talked about it on the show before, Only Murders in the Building. <laughs> the uh, Hulu uh, series by, uh, by Steve Martin and his partner, who I can't remember his name, so I'm sorry, John something, <laughs> um, and uh, starring Steve Martin, Martin Short, Selena Gomez as a trio of uh, uh, residents of a New York apartment building who simultaneously investigate a murder and make a podcast. <laughs> so um, I think it was just very well done. It was very funny, but it also had some some clues. And I started doing a, a slight rewatch. And I got to tell you, it holds up because knowing what you know, there are hints, you know, that you wouldn't have caught the first time because you weren't looking for it. And so they're actually funny, the, these hints that they're giving. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I think it's very well done. I don't know if they can pick it up for season two as far as like I, it is renewed i believe for season two but i just don't know how they can replicate the magic um <laughs> but uh so right now i i'm very satisfied with that as even a one-off um but i did want to really quickly do a runner-up which is the two native comedies that i very much enjoyed and that was rutherford falls on peacock um and reservation dogs which is an fx on hulu series um both i think hilarious in their own different ways um, and they started good conversations. Uh, there were there was like some criticisms for each of them, and I think they were fair. But also, uh, since they're both coming back, you know, they can also address them. So that's that's the other good thing about TV is I think because you have many episodes and also possibly multiple seasons, you can actually evolve. Um, and I've seen a lot of TV shows do that uh, and do it well. So those are my best picks. There are a lot of other ones I had listed. <laughs> And some that I just started, like Yellow Jackets and Station Eleven, but I can't say ha- not having seen the whole season. Yeah, we got to give that caveat up front that we're talking about things that we've seen so far. This is not a comprehensive list of everything that's been out since 2021, since there are a lot of shows that I have not watched. I still want to watch, like Weatherford Falls and um, Reservation Dogs. Um, I think Reservation Dogs I can watch because that's on Hulu, right? And I have yeah. Hulu. Um, is Weatherford Falls available on Free Peacock? Uh, I think the first something episodes are, but, you know, mm. we can talk and see. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and the, the other thing is, like, I am currently watching certain shows that are coming out soon so or or in mid, <laughs> midway through, like Yellow Jackets. If you haven't watched it yet, start because I'm on episode uh, five just came out, but it's a wild ride. And that's on Showtime and, uh, about a girl soccer team that, like, gets, you know, plane crash and then uh, there's cannibalism. So uh, there's <laughs> the Station Eleven, which we will get to uh, yeah. when I talk about it later. So <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like uh, that premieres. It wasn't my pick, but <laughs> Only Murders in the Building was a show that I watched with mm-hmm. my partner the mm-hmm. whole way through, um, and we we did not watch, we did not read any spoilers. We kind of mm-hmm. watched the mystery as it went along, and it was definitely it's it was fun. It's a fun kind of. I don't. Would you consider it a cozy mystery? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, there's there's no danger that you actually are afraid of, and it's relatively bloodless. <laughs> even though you see blood at the very end, but it's not like you see gore. If that makes any sense. So, um, and and they do actually have like you know fun little lives outside of it. So yeah. yeah. Um, the podcast part. Is where I take issue with mostly, but it's, it's a TV funny. show. I, yeah. I give it a pass. It it's a good device for 
it's also it's also a critique you know and so i think (laughs) some of those critiques were fair yeah i did feel like the resolution like many mysteries the resolution was not as interesting as the show itself but Mm -hmm. i think you know landing like that's the that's that's just that's the challenge of making a satisfying murder mystery right I guess I honestly, throughout the whole series, I said, I really don't care who did it. <laughs> I really just want to enjoy this time with these people. And that's what I got. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Jess, what's your best TV pop for 2021? All right. I'm basic um, <laughs> and we can talk about it, but I picked Squid Game for multiple mm-hmm. reasons. For one, I think it was just entertaining. Is it the absolute best piece of media i have ever seen like maybe no that's arguable right and i know mm-hmm. like people like contrarians like to be like well i didn't think you'll say because like shut up it was like it was very good and very entertaining mm-hmm. um you know i have the attention span of a hamster uh, and i usually watch tv while i'm doing a bunch of other shit but you can't well i couldn't with this mm-hmm. because you know i obviously had to read the subtitles um and I was just enthralled. And man, does this writer director know how to end an episode, know how to pace it? You know, like you, you can't stop watching. I literally watched it in one night, um, which was probably bad for my blood pressure. But um, and I generally just love the kind of cultural saturation it got. Very rarely do we get that level of cultural saturation. Like my mom, who doesn't watch things, <laughs> like was like. I think I need to watch this. I was like, okay. And, you know, it was available with Chinese subtitles. She ended up not watching it, but like she was told by multiple people that she needed to watch this. Mm-hmm. And it brought up such interesting conversations on a content level about the narrative and capitalism and what everyone got of it. It brought so much interesting discourse about global media, specifically media that comes from regions that have traditionally been seen as like lesser or, you know, um, not taken so seriously, like content from Asia. Uh, we got a lot of like hot Asian dudes now in the circuit. I'm very excited for the award season this year, right? Because we get, you know, hot, hot um, Korean daddies uh, mm-hmm. now like walking the red carpet, like looking <laughs> suave and shit. They racked and, up the nominations on the Golden Globes, right? Yeah, they did. They did. I mean, you know, Golden Globes, they, they, they on their best behavior now. And it was really fascinating to watch and see kind of a project not in english um made essentially by a south korean production company i mean it was netflix branded but like i honestly don't know how much like you know like netflix america had a say in any Mm -hmm. all of this um and just kind of really create a really tight interesting package very interesting story very well told, very well executed. Um, just, just entertaining. Like, what more? Like, like, yep, yep. Picky bastards. Like, what more do you want? Like, I don't really understand what more people want. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty much like an excellent show. You know, um, because you had already chosen it, I couldn't choose that as my favorite. Sorry, but- Han. I know we had a lot of uh, similar answers. <laughs> yes. We are ladies of good taste. <laughs> yes. We will get to those at some point. Hey, yes. allowed. We didn't set any rules for this segment, no, but <laughs> this also meant that I could have ties with myself, so that way I could mention more than one show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. I definitely feel what you said just about it being ubiquitous because my um my girlfriend's mom actually also requested to have access to her Netflix so she could watch Squid yeah. Game. And, and we just don't get she that enjoyed anymore. it, which is yep. weird because it's pretty violent. 
I have to ask my mom if I, she actually watched it. I didn't want to recommend it to her in case she thought it was too violent, but she might be okay. I think the exact review was it was kind of violent, but also very funny. Yes, it's true, <laughs> which is that true. Is something that people don't give a lot of credit for that, to that show for is it's actually funny and darkly funny too. It's yeah. aware. Yeah, for sure. It's um, you know, I watch a lot of like Asian media, specifically anime, manga, um, things like that. So death games aren't a new thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's been a well-worn um, narrative structure for the last, I want to say, like, two decades probably. But this was a really well done one. And they weaved mm-hmm. in a lot. Of, a lot of times with death games, they have deeper like allegories and metaphors. But it's mm-hmm. hit or miss sometimes, right? But I think with Squid Game, you have such a clear... Mm-hmm. It was spot Such a on, clear right? allegory, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which... Well, the, the message, like, capitalism is bad, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty clear. We're all fucked. Yeah. That being said, I, I don't know if that message hit with a lot of people. No, like, no, not People not see for, what they want to see not, sometimes. Not you know? our, yes, yes. I mean, but, if, if they can't understand that you're worshiping at the giant, clear piggy bank uh, <laughs> overhead, that's fine. They wouldn't get it in real life either. Yeah. So. And we've seen some pretty bad takes. I didn't SNL did a pretty shitty take on it that was so weird oh my <laughs> god it was it was well like here's the thing some people liked it it was a it was like a country western song um version of it i mean it's it's fine at least at least snl did not make their characters asian that weren't asian <laughs> so that's why i was like i will it's fine if you want to make it a country western thing that way you don't have to have anyone be asian you know i'm at peace with it because my mm-hmm. experience engaging with the cowboy people discourses some people like just we can watch the same thing and come away with two completely different takes and that's okay i learned my lesson from my um oft mentioned screaming match with my friend over whether or not mad max fury road was good (laughs) your friend's wrong (laughs) great mad max fury road is great yes it's excellent Charlize, man a monster (laughs) yeah all right um, I had a hard time picking two because we've watched a lot of really great TV this this year. I, th- I feel like because we're still in semi, we're, we're still in pandemic conditions. So, you mm-hmm. know, going out, it's still scary for some people. I feel mm-hmm. like I have been watching yeah. a lot of TV, especially for this podcast as well. But when I think about the show that really just like lives rent free in my head, that when it's mm-hmm. on, I'm like engaging, I'm reading tweets, I'm reading live reactions, I'm watching reactions, reading analyses. Uh, it's got to be The Expanse. Season 5 and Season 6, which aired this year. Um, season 5 aired earlier this year and Season 6 airing right now. Longtime listeners might remember that The Expanse has appeared in many of my What's Poppins this year. It's one of my favorite shows and I just can't get enough of it. You know, I'm reading the live tweets. I'm watching reactors react to it. I'm reading think pieces, listening to podcasts. And yeah, it's um, it's the closest thing right now to prestige sci-fi. It's probably like the spiritual successor to shows like Battlestar Galactica. Um, quick refresher, um, The Expanse takes place in a near distant future of our own world. Um, humanity has colonized the entire solar system. And there are three main powers in play. You have Earth, which is under the governance of the UN and has become sort of a um, socialist welfare state. You have Mars, which is an independent militaristic regime with a chip on his shoulder and then you have the belt which is comprised of space stations and colonies in the outer planets beyond the asteroid belt um, that are governed by either one of the two superpowers or private companies and as people make up the working class of this universe extracting and producing the raw materials that are (laughs) that are extracted back to the inner planets 
the, um, the writing team of James S.A. Corey do a really good job of kind of taking the current status quo of our world and extrapolating it to imagine what happens if we export that status quo into, into space. Um, and the main inciting event of all the drama in the series occurs when an alien substance from an ancient alien civilization is discovered and kind of upends the status quo. So um, the show is currently in its sixth and final season um, and it finds the galaxy now um, and it finds and it finds humanity now at war with each other. The more militant factions of the oppressed people of the belt have risen up and initiated a devastating attack on the inner planets. And now we're kind of seeing the um, the war unfold. So I say it's the sixth and final season, but it's kind of in asterisks. Um, the book series that The Expense is based on just ended its run with nine books. But this season covers up to the end of the sixth book. So uh, the showrunner, Naren Shankar, who um, used to work on Star Trek, and the authors that make up James S.A. Corey have been really coy about not specifically saying this is the end of the series as a whole. And, you know, reading up on the news, it seems like has to do with um, some of the rights reverting back to the original production company and all this, you know, kind of inside Hollywood shenanigans. So we don't know if there's going to be a continuation of the series or if there's going to be a spinoff. Um, there's a lot of different theories on how the series will continue to cover the last three books, including perhaps a trilogy of movies. It does help that between the sixth and seventh book, there is a 30-year time jump. So if there is a good place to kind of put a pause in the series, this is it. And they've been leaving hints here and there um, throughout the series of the story arc that's going to be in books seven through nine. So I'm really interested to see how um, what they're going to do. And I'm sure we'll, we'll learn more at the end of um, this season, which is a shorter season. It's only going to be six episodes, which is half of like what the first season was. Um, but they're going to be super dense. And yeah, I'm super excited to um, finish the series. But the sixth episode is going to be a supersized episode. So. It is. Mm -hmm. Like a movie, essentially. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and also, I, uh, from what I've heard, because I haven't checked it out yet, like these six episodes are going to be very expensive. So they're going to like put Ooh, it all out there. Yes. <laughs> I'm happy for you, Marvin. Go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound either of you are inter at least interested in this show. Huh? I'm I'm like the opposite of a, like the heart stuff. I'm like I'm dumb. I like to turn my brain off, but I'm happy for you, Marvin. I feel like if you like Game of Thrones. You'll probably <laughs> like this show as well because it has like the storytelling is, is really great. Sci-fi is too theoretical. Like Game of Thrones is very like, I mean, it's more fantasy based and I'm typically more like fantasy fan because like fantasy is just very like, you know, they, they the tropes are a little simpler <laughs> to understand. Um, and then also, I mean, there are hot people in the Expanse too, but yeah. I I started the Expanse and I and I enjoyed it, but I fell behind and it's a it's just one of those things that happens in this job is if you fall behind on certain bigger shows, there's no putting it on in the background to catch up. So I'm just behind. I, that's why I can't really engage with the conversation that much. I did read a few news stories here and there about it. And I read the review that um, my writer wrote about it. But, you know, obviously there aren't any spoilers in a review. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So someday. Someday. Yeah. It, it feels like I'm the only one on this podcast that has any any um, affection for this show but i really recommend it for people who enjoy sci-fi and this is probably the season to get into it because the show is ending so you can probably start watching from season one and then by the time you get to season six it will be done too so you can binge it all at once um i don't recommend it though because it's a lot of show but um for me it is it has been a show that has been the most fun to not only watch but engage in and i really recommend it to to anybody really um so yeah 
Um, the Expanse is my pick. Runner up for me, which I think you two can probably engage more in, has actually been um, the MCU TV series on um, both Loki and WandaVision. Those shows, like The Expanse, have been shows that I've engaged with, watching people watch it, watching people engage with it, um, people pulling it apart. And I've been on record on this show saying that I really love the weird side, like the metaphysical side of the MCU. And I love that WandaVision deals with reality warping and Loki deals with like timelines, right? Timey, wimey, Jeremy, bear me, timeline shit mm-hmm. is kind of, I love it. And um, I think, um, say what you will about how those series ended, um, the ride itself was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think a lot of these MCU shows are still trying to figure out how to stick the landing um, when they don't have the big, major like explosiony you know third act in a movie to deal with um <laughs> but i do agree i think still wandavision is the best of them the mcu shows uh and i think that also that they fully engaged with it being a tv series which i very much enjoyed because i think like falcon and winter soldier was like a really long movie cut up um so uh, I, I appreciated all the artistry and the thought that actually went into it. And the fact that it was about trauma, if it, it felt like it, it could engage in something that a movie would not have. But man, they really shot themselves in the foot because they did it. <laughs> you know, it was like such an interesting take. It was so new. It felt so like, you know, um, just different. And then they like kind of went back to just like the standard Marvel thing. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like Loki did their final episode a little better. They didn't have that final big fight, which I appreciated. Um, I am enjoying Hawkeye right now. Not as much as the Loki and WandaVision, but for a Christmas-themed adventure caper, I'm actually enjoying a lot more than the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, because they are treating it like a TV show, you know, with discrete elements of each episode. And so I'm totally enjoying it. It's not MCU as you can possibly get. Because it literally is like a Hallmark movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Jeremy Brenner and Hedy Seinfeld bantering way more fun than um, Sebastian Stan and um, yeah, sorry, Anthony I mean, Mackie. I, I, love, I love Sebastian Stan, but like there, it didn't quite work in the show. So uh, yeah, I agree. Also, Haley Steinfeld is, I think, what makes the banter work. Um, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our next category. Best movie, good pop. Uh, let's start with Jess. What's your best movie? Okay, I'm a little scared to say this, but <laughs> and I I recognize the very valid criticisms and discourse about colorism and and you know should this person should this story be told in the way it was told, but like in terms of like pure joy, I gotta admit my favorite movie going experience this year was. In the Heights. Uh, it was the first movie I watched in the theater in over a year. I very deliberately chose not to watch early screeners or anything like that to get the full experience. And I watched it like by myself on like a random weekday. And I was, my heart was so full. And I left that theater singing. I made my parents go watch it with me the next day. And then I like put it on consistently like on HBO Max because it was out on HBO Max. It is, you know, I bitch a lot about movie musicals and how like Tom Hooper must be stopped and Rob Marshall <laughs> must be stopped. Yeah. And this was like the antidote of everything that I have been disliking about movie musicals in the last few years, in the last decade. Really since Rob Marshall makes Chicago and people were like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. how we should do it. Yeah. Like, Absolutely not. You know, John Chu is a master of shooting movement and dance 
you know, not surprising given his background with Step Up to You and the Justin Bieber movie. Uh, it introduced me to a lot of attractive people. Um, you know, Leslie. Oh, I forgot her name. Grace. But, but Leslie Grace and, um, the, you know, the actor who played Benny. And, you know, I know TikTok and we're collectively mad at Anthony Ramos right now, but he was like fucking hot in that movie. Yeah. And, you know, Jimmy Smith singing like it was it was beautiful and it had just the right amount of kind of, you know, fantasy that I like in musicals that recalled recalls like golden age musicals, you know, like dancing on the sidewalk and, you know, the pool bursting out and those Busby Berkeley shots, but in a modern, you know, way. So I I had a good time. Again, very valid criticisms about the casting and about um, how all that went down and the responses, but uh, please don't cancel me. <laughs> Not to derail this conversation, but I know you two watched an advanced screening of West Side Story last week, which is it's out right now too, right? It yes. is out, yes, and that's why comparatively, I, it's also a hot take because so many critics are all in on West Side Story. They're so horny for West Side they Story. Are I'm like, super why? Horny for it. And Why? I, yeah, even though I acknowledge all the great things, right? Because we can say, like, I can say Steven Spielberg really does know how to move camera, visually stunning. Uh, the most, most of the cast is excellent. Newcomer Rachel Ziegler is actually amazing. Um, costuming, all the, all the production elements, great. But <laughs> it's a, big, a couple really big butts. Um, you got when when your lead is not as strong as everyone else, and this is just keeping it purely in the world of the movie. It 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 fails, and I just think about the magic that Anthony Ramos brought to In the Heights, the charisma, the oh, I totally understand why someone would be gaga over him. And then you look at West Side Story, which is also my other issue is that it's a Romeo and Juliet story. Which um, is like a hard sell in this day and age. It totally honesty. is. It's a hard sell. Yeah. And so and he uh, and so their lead is supposed to be the romantic lead. And I could not see it. Um, the also the singing was just <laughs> nice at best. You know, like he's better than I am, but I don't think I'm a good singer. So like they're like just purely from an artistic point of view. I had issues with lead there. Um, and then, of course, if you factor in other things, then that might really disturb the experience. So, and, I mean, technically beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think it had no heart behind any of that. Yeah, so, I agree. Then, yeah. And, With the exception of the, the sharks. <laughs> yes. The sharks. And, and here's the thing, like, you know, it's like if I mean, speaking of like who gets to tell the story like this is like the most like extreme example, like. Mm -hmm. It's a whole creative team, a bunch of white people. Yeah, like, that is like if we they do that is like if someone decided to remount, um, like a a hundred million dollar version of fucking what like Miss Saigon for the screen mm -hmm. today, and you're like, why the fuck would you do that? Yeah, why the fuck would you do that? W one, I mean, isn't one... that just the story of West Side Story though? No, well, but, yes and no, because we do spend more time with the white gang, the Jets. We um, And so there are certain biases that they did not interrogate in having a, a white production team. Right? Oh, no, I, I meant yes. like, was, isn't that just how West Side Story has been as a production? 
It it's doesn't matter more, right? because supposedly this is the one that is um, like fixes everything. Right. Because like the one thing I have to say was great was so much Spanish spoken, no subtitling. Um, so it's not helpful to the audience that you're trying to make honest, a point to. Uh, yeah. I, honestly, I thought it was fine. Yes. It was just interesting because like as much as I like the setting, the 50s, you know, there are big issues that I think people falling in love with all the rest of it want to gloss over i just found with the with a few scenes like there's just no joy there's yeah no joy i mean there's i remember no feeling that the musical. yeah i mean i feel like i feel like yeah i feel i yeah i remember feeling that when they played both the trailers of in the heights and west side story during the super bowl it was this so year creepy and we had like in the heights with so much color so much yeah joy and then we saw the trailer for west side story it's like oh this feels slow and sad I mean, it is a tragedy. Let's remind ourselves. But there are joyful uh, numbers leading up to the actual tragedy itself. So um, it's also really hard to even though like I kind of resent that move. And you can cut this out because it's just like now we're just critiquing West Side Story. But like I very much resent being forced to spend time and asked to sympathize with a bunch of like racist gang members who end up Mm -hmm. being would be rapists. Yeah. Oh, that especially I was just like, right? I really I really was expecting them to possibly change the scene to make it like on one hand, I was like, I guess they shouldn't change it because it's realistic. But on the other hand, I'm just like, really? Like, do I need to see this? Yeah. Um, and then the original is much more stylized. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's just like, why are we humanizing these like a <laughs> Yeah. Like, so it's very yeah. it's very clear to me who's the a-hole in this situation. Why do you keep making me spend time with these little shitheads? Yeah, and it's all uh, like again, the whole Romeo and Juliet thing is like other people have died. Why is it this person dying that you care about all of a sudden and like honoring? Like it, it didn't make any sense. So yeah, anyway, moving on. <laughs> yes, but but Han, Han, what was I do I know I think this was also a potential tie we had. So. Yeah. I, I I really did think that In the Heights might have been my pick. But then as soon as I, I looked at our document, I saw that you picked it. So I will take the other film that actually gave me a lot of joy, um, which just you have not watched because and also I let's be clear, it will probably not give you joy. Um, and it is another big screen spectacle. Dune. <laughs> yeah probably not but you know i respect it you can still watch it on hbo max um you can so, it's out yeah yeah it's not available until it comes out on, on home video now oh that's right did they take it off they uh, took it off because uh, okay. this month is the matrix uh gotcha so it'll come back you know at some point but uh dune i very much enjoyed i think i mentioned this as a what's popping at some point um i how do i say it like Besides the fact that it has a great cast, uh, Timothy Chalamet, I got to say, I love a twink sometimes um, with good hair. He it is. I this is acknowledging all the problems of having a white savior narrative um, and uh, colonization taking over spice and and ecology and all these types of things. But these are critiques that were in the original books. And I think that they are also trying to. um bring that to the screen but we also have jason momoa uh oscar isaac oh yeah i mean yeah. oscar isaac with yeah. the beard yeah at yes some, at some point he's also naked but it's not a sexy scene uh, <laughs> uh and anyway so i just think it was 
just impressive because Frank Herbert's novel is sprawling. And even though a lot of people haven't acknowledged that this is just the first half of a story and we, yes, did learn that it will you know, continue. So, what a letdown after three hours of watching the film that's not even I, half of the actually, story, right? I actually didn't get feel let down because I was nervous. Like by the time I was looking at my watch, I'm like, how are they going to wrap this up? And fortunately for me, I was just like, oh, they're not going to wrap it up in some dumb way. Um, so they're I was not actually wrap it up at all. Yeah. So I was actually excited. Um, kind of like, yes, it's annoying, you know, that they sort of cut it off. But I was excited because the promise of entering that world again um, and hopefully them doing justice to the second half of that story uh, would be just as enjoyable. Also, Zendaya, uh, Zendaya, sorry, um, Zendaya didn't get a whole lot to do. She was mainly more in dream sequence um, until she came in later. But even when she came in later, she was great. Uh, it, it just, I think they just worked in all of the weirdness of Dune in such a way that made sense because I'm sort of a, I have an affection for the David Lynch, even weirder version. And, um, but also I don't know if I ever understood it. <laughs> so like I, I watched it several times in college cause I had a friend who really loved it. And so I think eventually I kind of understood what was going on, but not to the extent that I felt like this version kind of made me really get it. <laughs> I mean, for one thing, it's not made by David Lynch. So <laughs> right. And, and I'm a fan of David Lynch as far as like what he can do with film and all that type of stuff. And also I have to say his Dune is probably more understandable than Twin Peaks. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and these are all caveats cause I actually enjoy David Lynch, but, um, this one's very good and I found it very enjoyable. I look forward to whenever it gets back on streaming so I can rewatch it before Part two comes out. Um, but yeah, so that's my thing. And so I I agree um, when it comes to sci-fi, sometimes the world building is the joy in itself um, before you get into the meaty part. And so, you know, I will, let's say, jump into the expanse whenever I have some time. To yeah, downtown. I feel like if you enjoy Dune, you'll like the expanse. So yeah. I don't know. Why. <laughs> well, so I, I feel like you should get. Yeah, I feel like when you have time to get back into it, I feel like you'll you'll appreciate what, yeah. what that show has to offer it's, it's just the time you know you have to invest like i haven't ever gotten to the wire because i know that you can't half-ass at the wire right <laughs> so that's kind of what it yeah. is the meteor the show is that i'm intending to watch you have to be like mentally mm -hmm. in a good space and have mm -hmm. enough time to devote to it yeah yeah otherwise i just watch a lot of like crappy like sitcoms and stuff so yeah um but we'll anyway, talk about so the guilty pleasures down the yeah. line <laughs> so that was that was mine although i had a few runners up and those would be I think they might be on your list, Stephen. Also, well, so my <laughs> list is weird because I was thinking about how to define the best pop in movies of the year, and do I rank them in terms of films that made me think, terms that films that made me smile, just films I had a good time in, right? Because I feel like, especially in this day and age. Going to watch a movie is, it takes a lot, right? Especially for those of us who are still trying to, you know, keep safe. Movie theaters, it's like on and off, right? Depending on how things are going. Um, so I guess for me, I was thinking about films where I had the most fun watching. And this year, there were a few films that, you know, actually did get to see in the theater. Um, F9, which I watched with you two at a, at a special screening, thanks to Han. That already made it the best movie ever <laughs> yeah. this year. It's um, great. 
Jess and I watched The Green Knight at the Alamo <laughs> Draft House, which is my first experience there. Um, I enjoyed I it. Just did not. Han also enjoyed it. Um, and I saw it at the Alamo Draft House. So maybe we even sat in the same seats at some yeah. point. Yeah. Jess and I also watched The Jungle Cruise at the that Alamo Theater, which was a better time. And I watched both Shanxi and The Eternals in the theater as well. Mm-hmm. So ah. if we're talking about good pop personally, I mean, fun. Those are the five films in the running. Um, but I think for me, in terms of just pure enjoyment around people, it's got to be F9 in my <laughs> yes. because I mean, magnets are undeniable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the film is dumb as fuck. I mean, it's the stupidest film probably in the entire series because of all the ridiculous things that goes in, right? They, I mean, just called it. They went to space. Right. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. She called it. She <laughs> yeah. really did. At, at least, I mean, look, if you haven't watched it yet, you can look forward to that part. But a uh. film that puts <laughs> Tyrese Ludacris in space, it's I, at worst, it's good, dumb fun. Right. Yeah. I, and, and personally, I love the magnets the best because the low tech um, aspect of that with everything else that was going on. Just great. I mean, John Cena was a great addition to the cast. I think his energy matches the ridiculousness needed for his character to work as a former mechanic turned super spy brother of Vin <laughs> Diesel's Dom, right? I just sometimes think about John Cena zip lining across. <laughs> it's so good. What city were they in? And then I just giggled. I think to it was myself. London, right? <laughs> Or like Edinburgh, something like I just, I just like that. That image just pops up in my head occasionally, and I just have a little giggle to myself. Like because he like, just great. keeps on ziplining. That's the thing. It's like the first time you're like, "What is that?" And then all of a sudden he just keeps on doing it. It's like, "Oh my god, it's so great, <laughs> so great in your dreams." Really is. Yeah. So I think F nine is kind of emblematic of what good pop means, right? It's just the, it's just pop culture that makes us feel good. It was fun to watch it with you two. It's always fun to watch movies with Jess because she just, her emotions are just on her sleeve, right? <laughs> I she's have a either, lot of feelings, okay? She's either hooting, hollering, or falling asleep. And we're, <laughs> well, with both F9 and uh, West Side Story, we are hitting each other definitely. So. <laughs> I mean, I, I did utter, come on, a few times. Yeah, yeah. Or like, really? The whole eye rollingness of West Side Story, sorry. Not to bring it back there. But yes, F9 <laughs> was pure, pure joy. Yeah, so I guess I guess that would do it. Um, F9 is my best movie pop of 2021. Runners, runners up are, I guess, the other movies I saw in the theater. Green Knight, Jungle Cruise, Shang-Chi, and The I Eternals. will give props, special mention to Jungle Cruise. As someone who watches <laughs> a lot of movies mm-hmm. and, you know, thinks about writing and story structure a lot, this is legitimately the one movie that fucking pulled off a twist surprise I did not mm-hmm. see coming at all. It was wild. So I think I audibly also shouted. I was like, what? And it's Jungle Cruise. Like, how can you do that? You, it's so unexpected that that would happen. Yeah. <laughs> Good right. on you. Moving on to our third category, which is best book pop of 2021. Uh, let's start with Han. What was All your right. pick? So these are actually not 2021 books uh, because although I did read some of them and probably if I were going to pick one that was published this year, it would probably be um, Helen Huang's new one. Because uh, I, as I mentioned earlier, it was kind of devastating, but it was like perfectly uh, enca- encapsulated sort of the traumas of the last year because she was writing it during that time and had to delay the publication so she could get it right. Um, and also had a 
personal issues going on in her life. But um, of the ones that I really just totally got encap- uh, you know, enraptured by are older books, and they're both sci-fi in a way. Station Eleven, Emily St. John Mandel. Uh, I did not know I would like it because um, it, if you are not aware, it is about a massive pandemic that takes over the world and let's see, kills about 90% or so of the world. Um, It's a major, major, major flu. And I remember the first time we heard that this was being adapted, it was early days of pandemic that we heard about this. And we were just like, maybe don't do it. Um, Like, and so for about a year and a half, I was just like staying away from this book because I was like, I bet it's devastating. I don't know how I can do it. And finally I read it because um, it is, well, it's coming out on HBO Max. It will be out, actually, by the time you hear this. So the first episode, at least, will be out by then. And I was like, I better read it just so I kind of understand, like, what they did with it in case they change things to adapt to our times. And um, it was a great book. It was, yes, I think it was, like, very global and devastating, but it also had a lot of hope. And it also had a lot of um, sort of thoughtfulness about how other people um can support you and help each other um in in really super hard times. I think the range of characters was great. Um it is multicultural and on the TV screen you will see even more than that. Um I already saw the first episode of Station 11 is fantastic. Um so that one just kind of on an emotional level really hit me um hard. And then the other one I'd have to say is another old uh older book, maybe a couple years old, but it's the beginning of a trilogy. Um, called um, this book is called Gideon the Ninth. Um, it's a series by Tamsin Muir. Uh, she's I don't know if I got that name right, but she's new, from New Zealand. And it, I think I've mentioned this book before. It is uh, lesbian necromancers in space. Um, oh yes, okay. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. But even twist, they eventually go into a house, so it becomes a haunted house mystery where they have to solve a puzzle um and there's and so and then it becomes sort of like a then there were you know none so people are getting picked off one by one um and it's also funny there are a lot of puns in it very weird book somehow she pulls it off um it takes you a while like it took me a little bit a few tries to get through the first chapter but after that i was just like what is this amazing book and why did it take me so long to read it um Fantastic. The second book is also very good, but it's a different book. She changes uh, sort of not only genre in a way, it's still sci-fi, but she also changes actual literally point of view. So, um, and it's more about trauma. It's not a comedy as in like this first one is. The first one definitely has a lot of comedy in it. And the world that that she built, I was just like so in love with it. so yeah, really good time. Uh, good book, but also a good time. <laughs> so those are my two picks, and I sneaked in too. <laughs> yeah, if you want a good um, pandemic sci-fi kind of story, um, you should check out Severance by Ling Ma. That's another great one. Um, I read that for our book club, and I mean, it uses the pandemic as a, an allegory for like millennial Malays, and also it weaves in some Asian American like tropes as well. I think mm. I think you might enjoy it. 
Yeah, that's also on my, my list, but I was also afraid of that book, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I will get to it. Maybe one pandemic book a year. It's it's also a dark comedy, I think. I think you would enjoy it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you I, seem to I'll like dark comedy. To, yeah, I'll add it to my list. And also, I listened to it as an audiobook, and I think that helped because I was walking, and I felt like I was mm. around people at a distance, and so I didn't feel too alone, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was mine. Um, <laughs> Jess, what about you? I take the opposite approach. I do not want to read any apocalyptic content, no virus content, no pandemic comment. I want them to live in a nice fluffy bubble. And that for me, that means a lot of romance books. Um, and uh, I'm a big fan of historical bodice rippers. But when I another another love of mine are sub like, you know, if we're going niche, like romance books, great adaptations of Pride and Prejudice, great south asian adaptations of pride mm. and prejudice just mm, chef's kiss um but the, you know there's a lot of them um but i i there i don't think they're all written or created the same but one i did really enjoy this year it did not come out this year but i read it this year was unmarriageable by sonia kamal which is pride and prejudice in pakistan <gasps> in 2000s pakistan uh, so just at the turn of the century. So it's before phones and social media, but, you know, very still contemporary. And, you know, she's the author's made really. I, I think I think most people can see a lot of the parallels of like a very, you know, str- culturally, you know, or a, a culture or environment with a lot of strict rules about how to behave and what's appropriate and you know, very also very concerned with marrying off daughters. Right. And very concerned with marriage. Um, so I loved this version. It was a really good time. It, you know, never hurts to imagine a hot, you know, Pakistani dude as my Darcy. That's also <laughs> a fun little exercise. Uh, and yeah, it was really, really fun. I would recommend it if anyone likes Pride and Prejudice and likes romance novels, but wants it to be less white. Uh, so my question is, how in the hell had, did I not read this this year? <laughs> because there's a lot there's there's actually a lot of south asian like book adaptations of pride and prejudice and again they're not all created the same oh no i did really like that i had to go through a lot of them you know i'll read like the first chapter if you don't like it return it yeah because i buy (laughs) ebooks uh but this is the one i did really enjoy all right so my pick for best book pop of the year is a book i just finished actually uh, this past weekend is Jade Legacy by Fonda mm, Lee, um, the watch. final book of the Greenbone Saga trilogy, um, which is a contemporary Asian-inspired fantasy that's been sold as a mix of The Godfather meets Hong Kong action meets Wuxia. Um, it centers around the Call family, a family of um, Greenbones, which isn't actually a crime family, more as a... Um, a clan of warrior nobles that takes place in this fictional um, Asian-inspired country called Kekon, which is a small island country in between two superpowers, which may or may not be based on America and the Soviet Union. Uh, the people of Kekon and Greenbones in general are unique because they're able to use jade that is specifically mined in the country of Kekon to gain special powers, which enhances their strength and allows them to do wuxia fighting. And these skills and the jade becomes a sought-after resource by other powers trying to exert their influence on the country of Kekon. The story follows the Call family as they try to expand their both their underworld and legitimate enterprises as rival clans try to take them down um, in a world that is rapidly globalizing. 
and yeah, the the books in the Green Bone Saga has been some of my favorite books in the last few years. And I think Fonda nailed it. It's an amazing book. Um, and just the scope of it is just so much larger than the past two books. Um, the first book is kind of like a self-contained story within the city of Jianlun, which it takes place in. The second book spans the scope of the world by introducing the Cantonese um, diaspora, which is an analog to the Asian-American immigrant experience in the fictional, you know, not America. Um, and it's actually one of the first times I've seen immigrant and diaspora stories being told in fantasy. Um, a lot of times in fantasies, you know, you have different kingdoms, but you don't really talk about what happens when the cultures intersect. And uh, Fonda, you know, as an Asian Canadian, um, does a really great job of exploring those issues of being in a new country where the laws and your cultural values don't necessarily mix up and you're kind of a perpetual outsider. The third book, Jade Legacy, um, expands the world even further, taking place um, throughout 30 years. And it becomes like an intergenerational story um, where our main characters, as they get older, start thinking about what they're leaving behind to the next generation. The book is over 700 pages and I just breeze through it. It's just so, it's so good. I feel like Marvin can be sold on two things. Like if you need Jade to power shit <laughs> and if, if you know, like someone's going to, you know, if there's a possibility, like you're going to, you're just going to like off a kid. Like he's there. <laughs> he's there. Well, I will add this to my <laughs> TBR list and I will probably get to this before the expanse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Han, I think you'll enjoy it too because um, Fonda, um, she is a martial artist herself. So she ah. writes the fight scenes really, really well. I um, and there's a lot of really it. great, great fight scenes. I mean, I appreciate a really good fight scene with actual like knowledge of fighting um, <laughs> that you can usually tell, but also... Um, since and it does sound like this would be it because overall the 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 whole series sounds great is with fight scenes that also help move the character and story along. So I yeah. look forward to that. <laughs> and it's just something really cool that we live in an age now where you know in the past five years, like the first book came out four years ago, and it came out in a time when Asians inspired fantasy were still few and far between, and now we have like one coming out probably every month or so and while that still is just a drop in the bucket in the in entire publishing industry i think it's really cool to see like stories that aren't elves and knights and dragons mm -hmm. being pushed out and jade city itself did get optioned um and it's in development at peacock i don't know how well it's been going i haven't heard any news about it but i think i think it's definitely a show that can translate really well into TV once it comes. And I, I know um, uh, we talked to Fonda. We asked her what's her dream casting. Mm. And um, the thing is, there's a character in the first book named Lon. And she thinks it'd be really cool for Daniel Henney to play multiple fantasy characters named Lon. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's very good because he is Lon in Wheel of Time. Yeah. So uh, I support and that. I know in the first book, there is Lon Butt. So... Um, <laughs> I don't know. Get us the Henny butt one more time, right? Get us the Henny butt. <laughs> Any reason to give that? Uh, so oh, yeah. wait. Actually, it's the Henny Heine. <laughs> That's great. Perfect. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, definitely Jade Legacy. Um, probably my top choice. If you've read the first two books, then you already know. 
And if you haven't heard this series before, get it. All three books are out now. Jade City, Jade Lake, Jade War, Jade Legacy are all great reads um, um, and has something for everybody. If you like crime fiction, if you like martial arts fiction, if you like fantasy fiction, um, if you just want to read something new, um, it's definitely one of my go-to suggestions for anyone getting into reading Asian-inspired fantasy. It's this, it's the Poppy War series, um, mm-hmm. and it's um, Source for the Crown. Yeah, I'll probably start in that. The the Poppy War, I I stopped a little bit just because it was getting a little bit too much warish, which I know is a dumb thing to say. <laughs> um, but I was like, it gave me all the things that I like, which is like young kids learning a, and going to school. <laughs> and then when it got to the war, I was like, oh, I don't know. Uh, so I have to just I have to pick that one back up. Um, yeah, that that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That book is a, is a big switcheroo. It starts off as an academy story and yeah. then it turns into a grim dark war story. Yeah, so we'll see if I'm in the mood for that. Uh, <laughs> but I need I need to make my my uh, reading challenge for the year. Uh, 175 books. We'll see if I can get there. Yeah. All right. Our last category of the episode is miscellaneous slash guilty pleasure. Good pop. <laughs> you know the stuff you like uh, despite yourself uh, that you don't really have to think too hard about. So yeah, let's get started. Han, what's your guilty pleasure? This is a tough one because actually when you just described what the not having to think too hard, but just still enjoying it, I was like, oh, that's how I am about am I the asshole on Reddit? <laughs> like that is a joyful like little Reddit sub uh, subreddit. Yeah, um, because I can get angry at people I don't know. Usually I have a very clear uh, point of view about who I disagree or agree with. Um, there's none of this. uh uh, bad kidney friend sort of thing. <laughs> Sorry, bad art friend. Uh, where you you find out both people are pretty bad. Um, <laughs> but uh, the one I did pick was actually F Boy Island. Um, here's the weird thing: we actually did write about it quite a bit on Salon, um, and we tried to be smart about it. Uh, but and I do think it's better than some of the other reality dating slash whatever hookup shows that are out there because it's kind of self-aware, but um, the fa- the basic premise of, you know, three women who have to pick between uh, a whole bunch of guys, first of all, a lot of like hot guys, but then she- half of them are supposedly, you know, nice guys and half of them are self-proclaimed F boys. And until you like pick someone or, you know, you don't get to find out whether what they fall into one category or another, um, until they're either eliminated or you are down to the last person that you have to pick. And then once you find out, then that might determine whether or not you get money. <laughs> so it's kind of like how good can they fool you? But also they're not that smart about how they fool you. So basically, <laughs> how much are you actually like paying attention to the red flags? So. I bounced off the show pretty early. <laughs> yeah. But I, don't think it's your thing. I did think it was hilarious that the Asian guy got kicked off first. Spoiler was, warning. Even though he was the most obvious fuckboy of them all. Yeah, he like. was not very stealth, I gotta tell you. <laughs> um, the the And here I'm gonna give you some sp- other spoilers too, but like the funny thing is that actually a lot of the F-boys who were eliminated, um, the everyone who's eliminated, if you're a nice guy, you got to hang out in a very nice villa. And if you, uh-huh. if you were an F-boy, you ha- hung out in what looked like a junkyard. <laughs> <laughs> good the trash take out the trash where it belongs yeah i forgot what they actually called it the f-boy something but also 
when you get eliminated, the the nice guys get to take a little shuttle to their villa. The other people, you have to wait for the bus. <laughs> there are just so many things that they had fun with. Nikki Glazer was the host. And so she was definitely playing a lot with the tropes. Um, she had fun with the dialogue. It was just like very smartly done. And the the amount of attention they paid to the ridiculous challenges, um, all that type of stuff. Honestly, I know there's a season two, but honestly, I don't know what how they could top it. <laughs> uh, prove me wrong, HBO Max. Prove me wrong. I mean, so. the host definitely played it straight, which I thought. I don't know how I felt about that. I guess she didn't play it straight. She was totally tongue in cheek a lot of the time, and she you didn't catch you well. You didn't stick with it. At one point, she actually has counseling for the f boys and how you know <laughs> and and, and it, it was just like so she'd question them she's like where is the best place to come uh with a woman and then they're like they're like on her part of her anatomy and then she's like um or in a condom <laughs> you know so it's kind of <laughs> there there's a lot of really good jokes in there and just kind of displaying about how like people are kind of dumb about how they approach relationships and how they so, even come off. So I am curious and you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's been over almost a year. So I think statute limitations are off. Mm-hmm. Um, who won? Did the F boys win? So um, each of the three women gets to pick, right? And so it's whether or not each of them picked an F boy who won. Um, so, but here's the other thing. The F boy could also be nice because the F boy, if they are chosen, gets to either stick with the woman and I think split the money or say bye and just take all the money. (laughs) Prisoner's dilemma. Yeah. So I think what happened was one picked a nice guy, one picked an F boy who decided to stick with her and split. And one person picked the F boy who totally just took the money, and we all Whoa. could we could all tell that was going to happen too. So, Girl, you were dickmatized. Yeah. So I don't know since I just spoiled it, but I still think it's a good journey. <laughs> anyway, so that's my wonderfully very very guilty, not so guilty pleasure. Um, Jess, what about you? Okay, don't hate me again. Hot take. <laughs> I have been very much enjoying the Sex and the City reboot, and just like that. Um, okay, so how to explain? As a latchkey kid growing up in the early 2000s and having cable TV, basically, like, Sex and the City just, like, was always on. They would literally, like, show the entire series, and then as soon as they play that last episode, they would start again from the very <laughs> beginning. For some reason, like, you know, they, like... Sp- he probably spent a shit ton of money on syndication rights. They're like, we're going to get our money off of this. So I have seen every single episode of the original series like dozens of times. On E? On E. Oh. So I've only seen like the censored version too. <laughs> um, should I have been watching this as an impressionable young girl? Probably not. But like, you know, you know, these, 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 these hoey white women, and I say that respectfully, mm-hmm. like these hoey white women living their best lives really did raise me and i wanted that sex like many young millennial girls i wanted to grow up and have that sex and the city life and i definitely had a phase where i had that sex and the city life and then you also realize man they were fucking prudes Mm -hmm. and very judgmental but you Mm -hmm. know you still love them because they're like your weird aunties so it's really nice to see the weird aunties do i agree with every choice they've made to the character no 
Did I cry when that first episode uh, ended? Also, no, but I was sad and deeply affected because I was like, wow, they really did that. And that was a braver choice than most shows do. Uh, Definitely a braver choice than any decision in the Star Wars series. So I'm having a good time revisiting these people. It's really interesting to see how these characters have developed in the last 15, 20 years. It's a different phase of their life. They're in their 50s now. Um yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's just like a comfort watch. It's like a blanket. And, you know, they're still kind of cringy. And the fashion's not as fun because Patricia Fields did not come back for the series. Mm-hmm. She was the original costume designer, also did Devil Wears Prada. But, you know, don't don't like how they handled the whole Samantha thing in the show because, you know, if you know anything about Samantha's character, she wouldn't that not that is not how it would have gone down. Mm. Um, but we all kind of know, like collectively, like Carrie's the worst, but it's also really fun to watch. So I am really enjoying and just like that. Well, Marvin, have you watched any of the Sex and the City? I have no connection to Sex and the City. I know that um I know that it's a very important um piece of culture for many people my partner included but i have no idea who these characters are i know one of the dudes was the dad from to all the boys i love before yes <laughs> yes oh my god that's how you know him you don't know him as aiden the carpenter but as the dad from yeah well yeah. i wow. i only know that because when i was watching with my girlfriend um she went aiden when he showed up Aiden, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Aiden. So so my confession is that I've literally maybe seen two episodes of Sex in the City and I hated it. Um but having That's valid. Yeah, but having been older and also I was just like, why is everybody worshiping this TV show? Also, it was at the time I didn't actually have cable. Um, so I was watching a lot of broadcast and uh recording with four VCRs. So just dating myself right there um, to, in order to get everything, you know, watch everything. So but I do know, of course, having been in this business, I know who all the characters are. I know a lot of the arcs. I know a lot of the big plot points, like breaking up with someone via post-it, you know, all that type of stuff. So I've actually been enjoying all of the discourse around and just like that and the big event that happened. Um, and I have literally still never watched it. And um, I still haven't watched the Peloton commercial that's related to it or any of those things. But have I been reading Twitter and like headlines and things like that? Yes. And eating it up. So I kind of understand. Um, oh, also, I would just say, you know, Darren Starr, who originally created it, uh, he also did Emily in Paris. And that's also a show that I hate watch. So uh, <laughs> so maybe there's similarities. I mean, I'm happy for you, Jess. I'm happy for everyone who is, you know, Thank you. I mean continuations of quote-unquote classic series is now the newest fountain in which the tv companies are now filling up their lineups and i'm glad to hear that it's working for you guys because (laughs) you know it's not always a home run right no no uh i i think gossip girl i still haven't really gotten into the new series uh dexter continued and i watched the first like two episodes only (laughs) Um, not to say that they're necessarily bad. It's just they didn't recapture any of the things that I kind of liked about it. So we'll see, you know, but I, I do understand like returning to IP. Some, some things work, some things don't. So, uh, it seems like, and just like that has enough of a buzz, even if people hate it, they are hate watching it <laughs> or watching it with full caveats in mind. So yeah. Uh, enjoy the success HBO max. 
Um, so Marvin, what is actually bringing you joy for this I don't know, <laughs> pleasure? <laughs> yeah, I um. So I'm on record for having still have never watched episode three or episode nine of Star Wars, but I have been dipping my toe back into the Star Wars universe. Um, this year, I managed to watch a ton of Clone Wars, the animated series. The Bad Batch and mm. all of the Mandalorian because my dad was home and I needed to show him something. He's a big Boba Fett fan. So the Mandalorian is the closest thing to watching Boba Fett until, you know, season two when Boba Fett actually appears again. Or the book of Boba Fett that's coming out in the end of the year. That's true. But my dad's only in the country like oh, okay. a couple months a year. Okay. So I have to wait until he comes back next year to show him mm. the book of Boba Fett. I am excited because more me now and always good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm finding myself still enjoying this world that I was obsessed with as a youth, like middle school and high school. I was really into Star Wars, everything. Read a lot of expanded universe books that are now, you know, non-canon anymore. <laughs> you know, watched the first two prequel episodes, got disappointed, never watched the third one. Um, happy that um, both Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen are coming back for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Um, I know, Jesse, you're very excited about that, I aren't you? can't form words to understand yeah. how excited for multiple <laughs> reasons. But to spend time with, I like literally don't know what my body's going to do when I like see Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader again. Or I don't know like how like fucked up he's going to be like in terms of like lava scarring. But I am so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. And um, oh, yeah. And also watched the Star Wars Visions a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. which is the That's cool. Japanese anime takes on the Star Wars universe. And I think I'm enjoying like much like the mainline series i'm enjoying what happens when you give other people the keys to do star wars stories um and the person in charge of the tv series and the, and the clone wars dave filoni obviously is is also a fan of the work and it really shows i think there's just something you've said about star wars being made by people who are actually interested in telling star wars stories and not kind of rehashing the same thing over and over again <laughs> that really i think i'm still finding the fun in the world even though in terms of sci-fi you know star wars is probably as basic as it gets in terms of you know black and white morality but i think you know, both the clone war series visions like the, the better shorts from visions and like the bad batch really kind of dive into the gray of mm -hmm. the star wars universe and i think when you deal with that that's where i'm finding the most enjoyment yeah i think in similar ways also they're the same company um Star Wars has really embraced the TV format uh, to explore other parts of the galaxy, I guess, that have been explored on the screen, <laughs> big screen. Um, but also, like you said, like more of the nuance of uh, morality and ethics and just other storytelling, other characters, not yeah. just Jedis. I'm excited. I'm always excited to, I'm like, especially the Clone Wars. Too. Like, I think the strongest episodes are the ones that don't have anything to do with Anakin and Obi-Wan are the most interesting. I don't know. Maybe because when there's Skywalkers involved, things are always kind of... Loaded, too loaded. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it's also... Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> so, yeah, but... what... <laughs> just curious, what do you feel about Sabine Wren and the latest... Uh, I feel like that was like a missed opportunity just to like cast Tia Circo. Yeah, I, I love, right? Right. Because Sabine, yeah. yeah. Sabine Wren was a character in Star Wars Rebels, mm -hmm. who is a Mandalorian. And I, I get that they wanted to cast closer to how she was portrayed in this show. But the voice of Sabine Wren was Tia Sirkar, who we, we know mm -hmm. as a great actress. 
She's so talented. She is so talented. And I feel like she just hasn't been able to get like a role that's really hit. You know, she was like supposed to be on the Zach Braff show. That didn't go. Um, she's so funny. She was great in the good place. So good on the good place. Um she's just like she's also what? good Why? in the lifetime rom-coms that she's in. She's just great. <laughs> I love her so much. And honestly, just give her a purple wig. I don't or whatever color wig you want to give her. Like, I don't care what else. Like, she would still embody. Sabine so like yeah, yeah. I was just kind of like mm. and she's supposed to play an older version of Sabine too so I mean yeah yeah I feel like that's that's definitely a um, a missed opportunity that was the first thing I thought of too when I saw the, the casting it was like why not just cast Tia Sarkar the only thing I can I don't know what would happen behind the scenes because I was like well what if she was busy or like maybe that was maybe, just maybe, wishful maybe. thinking like maybe <laughs> she was doing something else yeah anyway uh, we love you Tia <laughs> but yeah um i do want to make note that i am finding myself enjoying the clone war series um i never started it because it always seemed like a kid's show and granted the first two seasons are more kids show-esque because those were the ones that were aired on cartoon network but i am enjoying the way that they're portraying the um the civil war and the prequels and i think the writers really know what they're doing um it's hilarious to see their portrayal of anakin skywalker as uh, someone who is obviously slowly walking down the path to um, proto fascism. Yeah, it's, it's so not smart. a good look. Okay, I know it's not a good look, <laughs> but he was like very. You know, the Jedi should have done better. <laughs> now you're making me sound like a fascist. Well, apologist, that's the thing. Marvin. I think the show understands more than the prequels did, or at least the prequels showed that the Jedi Order was very flawed and very arrogant, and it's as much their fault. Anakin fell to the dark side as Palpatine. You also like fucking tell me it's like, yeah, you're the chosen one. We're going to liberate you. Nah, your mom has to stay a fucking slave. Like that would fucking make me go crazy too. Like what the fuck? Sorry. I have a lot of feelings. about. I, I mean, I think this. the other reason why I think by the en- near the end of it, it became something slightly more, I don't know, nuanced and sort of interesting was um, because it went to Netflix. Um Netflix, you know, took a season and then after that ended, then Disney Plus was like, well, we're also going to give it the seventh season. And so, yeah, I think the streaming definitely changed the game when it came to the storytelling there. Yeah, but I guess I'm still am a Star Wars fan. I just, you know, I just there's there's still some eventually I will watch (laughs) episode nine and episode three um, one of these days. (laughs) I just feel like it's like. um to be a Star Wars fan is like to be a little bit of like mm-hmm. a masochist because you're just like you know no like it's just it's just gonna hurt you, you know, it's just gonna hurt you. I watched ten episodes of Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> nothing, I no, think yeah, stronger. Nothing yeah. touches that pain. That's valid. <laughs> oh, I am excited for what's to come. The Obi Wan Kenobi looks really good. Mm-hmm. Andor looks like it's gonna be really good. Oh, um, that one awesome! My body is not ready for. <laughs> I think yeah. they've, I think they've hit the jackpot and like, okay, we need to make stories about the darker side of like the rebellion and Star Wars, but and also put, like, the featuring most attractive people. people you can find and like make them all. Oh, God, I love a project, you know. I mean, that's kind of how <sighs> Star Wars has always been, right? Like Hayden Christensen in the prequels. I mean, Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill. I don't know if Mark Hamill was considered like hotness mm-hmm. but harrison ford definitely was like a sex yeah, symbol because yeah. of star wars right he, he had the rascally rogue thing going on and i think that sort of set <laughs> him apart from the 
kind of the farm boy appeal of uh, Mark Hamill that people liked, which I never really got, <laughs> but I definitely understood uh, Han Solo. So, yeah, yes, <laughs> we all viscerally understand <laughs> Han Solo. I mean, Star Wars still a thing, and you know, not bad. Yeah, so it's my guilty pleasure. That's good. I I, <laughs> I think of those many universe uh, TV shows, I will probably just pick up Visions first because those are one offs. Yeah, um, Visions. I think half the shorts are really good. The other half are okay. The other the other half are about Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all about Jedi, uh, so oh, that's that's the problem. No. Not into the Jedi's yeah, as much. I'm not, Sorry, but I'll watch them. It's like, yeah, when you have like superpower cell leaving, it's like, yeah, you gotta go fucking do something <laughs> with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, and with that, I guess that's a wrap for our 2021 best of recap for the Good Pop Culture Club. Jess Han, thank you for hanging with us for the year of 2021 and sharing your blazing hot pop culture hot takes. Um, I guess if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? My trash takes are on Twitter at Just You Tweets. And I am at Anonymous. You can find me on Twitter at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. As always, please engage with us on social media. And like we mentioned at the top of the show, if you do enjoy our podcast, please give us a rating review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. You can find out more about the collective and our fellow member podcasts by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, that's it for 2021. Uh, we're going to take a few weeks break uh, while Jess is enjoying her Christmas markets out in Europe. Uh, Jess, have a great vacation. Thanks, um, y'all. I will live vicariously through you through social media. Yeah, looking forward to watching you as on your quest to find that constitution in that, was it an acorn? Acorn, oh. yes, which Han did, in fact, <laughs> procure for me. So thank you for making that happen. Yeah. I'm so excited. Uh, in the meantime, I will probably order a holiday feast for many people just for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I will spend my holiday. And happy holidays. Happy New Year to all of our listeners. And we'll see you in 2022. Bye. Have a happy New Bye, Year. Bye. I'm Quincy Cho. And I'm Kaycon Apu. And we host Marvel Makeup. It's a podcast where I teach Quincy a little about Marvel. And I teach Kay a little bit about makeup. Join us as we watch and talk about every movie and TV show in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I'm mostly watching for the first time. And join us as we apply makeup stuff to our faces, which I'm using for the first time. Marvel Makeup is part of the Potluck Podcast Collective, and you can find new episodes every other Monday wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can catch video versions of Marvel Makeup on our YouTube channel. So please rate, review, and subscribe. And please give us five stars so our Asian moms will understand why we buy so much electronic equipment. Because it's for this podcast, Marvel Makeup.